0: And one times pointer thank you yeah on the side is fine good morning church I think that name is gonna stick Inga the singer <laughs> are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning you are part of the faithful few Um, who did not back down when uh, when there was news of cold coming and you did not back down when uh, you put a tip out of the bed and the cold was confirmed but here you are it's warmer in the house of the Lord amen hey Uh, sister Hazel good mornings Yes, we will call you out when we miss you. (laughs) So good to see you in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, Amen. Can I just take a a special moment uh, just to, that's why when you have the mic, it's nice. You can do what you want. (laughs) I'm just going to take a, my wife says, no. A special moment this morning just to wish my brother, my friend, uh, Marlon. Marlon, can you stand so people can see what... 50-year-old good looks like Larry Marlon turned 50 on Thursday and um, Marlon we've walked such a long path um, we both found find ourselves in the house of the Lord this is God's goodness amen, amen. amen. Um, I love you I appreciate you um, let's let's go another 50 50 more in the house of the Lord amen, amen. Glory, happy birthday, my friend. Glory. Let's pray, family. Father, we come to you this morning ever so mindful of your grace, ever so mindful of your mercy, ever so mindful that we are not worthy, Father, but through your grace and through your your providence, Lord, you've made it possible that we can come into your presence, that we can come before you and that we can come and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What an honor this morning. Father, we thank you that even as we go into your word this morning, we thank you for the word that you've given to us. We thank you for a, a word that is able to change our lives, Father. This is your providence, this is your grace, this is your mercy in our lives. Lord, even as we go into your word this morning, I pray that you would anoint my lips. I pray for the the prayer that Mrs. Green prayed this morning, that, Lord, that you would just use this unworthy vessel for your purpose this morning. All of me, all of you and none of me, I pray, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. And rebirth in agreement says, Amen, Amen. Amen. We are in the house of of Ezra and uh, we are also in the House of Presentations. Amen! <laughs> Thank God for uh, the tools of the trade, Pastor B. And um, Pastor Bevan has done a stellar, stiller, stiller, stiller job and task of walking us through the Book of, of Ezra, has he not? Yes. He has toiled. He has taken time out from his family, from the kids, from the wife, from the... Do you still have dogs? Um, and all of those things. So we honor the work you have put in. And um, it's, 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 it's not a task that we take lightly um, with the word of God. Amen. So we're going to get straight into it because I know in, in Rebirth also we get the, the evil eye with the, with the, with the look of time <laughs> I just want to see if uh, if this red is reading um, it on uh, no it's not on thanks so much Sue. so thank you all right so we're moving into the or the the last part of the book of Ezra and before we even go into that, let's just give uh, some context and some recap. And we thank uh, Pastor Bevan for finding that, that great timeline for us there. It's a, it's a great way for us to see where we are in the Word. Amen? And um, this morning, I want to start this out, this timeline, by saying that everything that is in the Word of God is covered by God's covenant You know, everything that is happening is not by chance. God has made a promise to us, and He is a God who is true to His word. Because He said it, He will do it. Okay, your homework for this week is go and find in the scripture where God has not been true to His word. Come back and tell us next week, please. All right, so I want to look very quickly at uh, just a couple of uh, highlights in the biblical. Timeline that we have on screen, and um, uh, I know Pastor Bevan has taken us through a lot of where we started um, uh, at the beginning of time, where God created Adam and Eve, and we went all the way through to where we are in the book of uh, Ezra uh, right now. But I want to just take a look at a couple of things here. So, special covenants that God made. Um, with man okay and as we can see here um, Abraham, Abraham was the promised to be the father of many nations and he was also promised that all nations after him would be blessed okay then also Moses here we know Moses was given the um, law on the Mount Sinai and we had at that time where God said to to the people that I will be your God and you will be my people moving on here to King David where God promises King David that he will establish his throne forever there will always be a descendant of his on the throne the promise of a messiah to come okay And the big heart here, the big idea here, was when Jesus came. And when Jesus came, the new covenant came into being where God said, there will be no more separation, uh, me to you as mankind. Jesus now comes into the play, and there is a covenant through the cross if we believe in his Son Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This is a beautiful, beautiful story. Nothing that is happening in the word of God is in isolation. It's because of these things, the covenant or the promises of God stamped in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. As Pastor Bevan said to us as well, with Old Testament narrative, there's three flaws remember that there's three flaws okay so there's the individual interpretation personal to to the holder um as we saw with abram god to one man there's also the interpretation where it goes to the relevance for the entire nation okay and then also on the highest level the revelation where we have the redemptive history through jesus christ the saving of mankind so we want to get the big idea look what we're going through in our in our lives is important because it's personal to you and i correct we feel what we're going through but the peace of god that surpasses all understanding comes from this that what I'm going through in my personal life talks back to this bigger reflection of for mankind. We are not here just by chance. Amen. Amen. All right. So the biblical timeline that we're going to do in two stages this morning is on the first timeline all the way from um, Adam, And very quickly to um, where Isaiah comes into the picture. And then we'll go on the second timeline to where Ezra is at this point in time. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. So, so remember we're doing the top line right now. And we had a time where we, we find that the Israelites were in captivity for quite a while in... Um, in Egypt and God raises up Moses to go and speak to Pharaoh and we see that the Israelites leave um, Egypt and uh, I want to get to a point here very quickly because also considering time where Moses gets them out of Egypt with God's help and gets to the point of the land of Canaan. Okay. Now, um, just before the Moses and the, and, and the Israelites, when they get to Canaan, there's a, there's, a, there's a shift because Moses doesn't actually make it into the land of Canaan. Moses dies before that and Joshua comes into the picture. So we can see 40 years the Israelites are wandering around in the desert okay wandering around in the desert learning lessons okay how many of us know if we don't le- learn the lesson the first time this is not like uh, the schools of today where they say we promote you anyway <laughs> God says you know what you haven't learned it let me take you for another round maybe you'll learn it this time this is the providence of God he's not going to take uh, send us somewhere that we're not ready for. Amen. Alright, so if we look at Joshua, Joshua leads the Israelites into Canaan after forty years, but even in his advanced and old age, Joshua is giving warnings to the Israelites. Let's look at this. Joshua 23:11. This is what it reads. Therefore, now this is Joshua speaking to the Israelites. He says, therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God, or else, if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you, and make marriages with them, and go into them, and they to you know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, here's the warning, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges to your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord has given you. Very clear warning, right? And you'll see, he says here in, in, in Joshua twenty three eleven. he says, Indeed, if you do go back, and what is he referring to? In Numbers 25, if you go to Numbers 25, you'll see that the Israelites camped at a place, this is before going into Canaan, they camped at a place called Acacia Grove. You'll see in the, in the Bible, Acacia Grove, also called Shittim, was a place... Um, where they just before they crossed the Jordan um, into what is that what is that place called where Rahab lived? Um, Jericho. Jericho it's just at that place so but let's, 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 let's go back so at Acacia Grove they are camping for a while okay something starts to happen here at, uh, in the land of Moab, in the plains of Moab. The Israelites begin, begin having relations with the people of Moab. So we find that they start having sexual relations um, with these people. This is in support of the pagan rituals or cults that those people had at that point in time for their gods. Okay. So this camping out, this proximity led to them becoming desensitized, where they eventually, like, okay, this is what you do to your God. I'll join you in that. All right. So we find a time where Moses, God speaks to Moses, and God is not happy with what is going on here. And God says to Moses that you call out the leaders. And call out those who have transgressed, hang them out in the sun. It's time for this to stop. Moses does this. Moses does this. Whilst this is happening, one of the Israelite men very boldly and proudly comes with chick in hand, a Midianite chick, and presents this chick to the assembly and Moses and everybody. And can you imagine how out of touch he is with what is happening right now? So along he comes with this, with this woman that God says you should not be having relations here because of the consequences of this. And then there's a young man called Phineas. Anybody know who Phineas is? Now Phineas was a descendant of Aaron. He's, um, so, so we had Aaron, we had his son, uh, Eleazar, and his son was Phineas. So Phineas is Aaron, the, the high priest, the first priest, the anointed priest's grandson. Phineas looks at this presentation of this man with this woman, gets enraged, goes and grabs a javelin. Javelin, a spear and he starts chasing these two man the Bible is full of action (laughs) he is horrified by what is happening here grabs this javelin chases them into this tent pierces the javelin through the two of them (laughs) glory (laughs) he does this and God looks upon him and and God this, this, this young man is zealous for the things of god he is is not just sitting back here and saying but what are you doing this man could uh, got up and took a stand and went and did something about this so i want to read to you uh, th- this um just one part here it says that the he grabs a javelin goes after the man and woman thrust the spear into both of them this turns back the wrath of God because Phineas has zeal for God. Like I said, he pro- this is what I want to read to you, the promise that God makes to Phineas. He says, I'm going to give you a covenant of peace and an everlasting priesthood for you and your descendants because of your zeal that you have shown me. Now, this that happened with this young woman that he, that he brought into the presence wasn't just by chance. The young man was actually the son of one of the leaders of Israel. The young woman was actually one of the leaders of Moab, of the Moabites. So, so this is not by chance. This is actually arranged. This is the schemes of the Moabites. They've actually done this to try and infiltrate God's holy nation. The Lord says in verse 17 to Moses that they must harass and attack the Midianites because they harassed the Israelites with their schemes of seduction. Hey, the things that we think are happening just by chance just by chance suddenly she's interested in me just by chance this relationship has happened just by chance this business deal is coming about God says they are doing these things intentionally they are strategic in what they are going about Joshua 24 verses 20 Um, Joshua then is, is now having a talk with the, the Israelite uh, people. And he's, you know, he's basically saying, you know what, guys, enough is enough. Enough is enough. You need to make a decision as to who you're going to serve. Okay? You can see what is happening, but you need to make a decision. Now Joshua already says, and you, you know this, this scripture, he says to them, you've got a decision to make. I've made my decision. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What are you going to do? Okay. He says in Joshua 24 verses 20, the people are obedient and they make a covenant to serve the Lord. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm and consume you after he has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Hey, we're quick to make promises, eh? So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And what did they say? Oh, we are witnesses. We are witnesses. Yes, we say yes. And Joshua and his generation passed away. And so did the Israel's knowledge of God. So do the Israel's knowledge of God. They turned away once again from their promises. And there we go into the time of judges. So you see there was a lot of drama going into the promised land. And lots of disobedience and lots of sinfulness that was going on. But God, through his promises, through his covenant, what written in, in, in blood there in his name. So judges comes about where we have some of the famous judges like Deborah and Gideon and this is a period of about 300 years like we can see there, about 1350 to about 1051. So here's some of the, 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 the reasons that um, for, for Israel's moral and spiritual decline. Um, after entering into the land of Canaan. So, number one, we had disobedience where God had said to them, I want you to drive the Canaanites totally out of the land. Totally out of the land. They didn't do that. Okay, This proximity of the Canaanites with them led them to marriage, intermarriage with the Canaanites, as we will see um, in... uh, in judges 3 verses 6 um, They also did not heed the judges They would not listen to the judges That, that God had given them To keep them on the straight and, and narrow You know God was being provident Behind the scenes all the time Saying you know what I know you do your own thing Let me put somebody To try and, to try and coax you back But they were doing their own thing anyway Not heeding the judges And they turned from God after the death of judges and we know God then raised up a young man Samuel who then goes and brings in the era of the kings so we had the the era of Saul we have the era of David and we had the era of Solomon and Solomon was known for that's your part. Wisdom. 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 Thank you, Pastor G. So, so Solomon is known for wisdom. But he was also a little foolish. Yeah. He was also a little. This man that has been given all the wisdom in the world was kind of foolish as well. Solomon was foolish with woman. Now, what is God um, warning the Israelites about all the time? He's saying, don't have this. This mingling with these these women outside of the chosen people. This is dangerous ground. This is dangerous ground. So, he says, don't do that. Nah, I give you all the wisdom in the world. How? All the wisdom in the world does not work when it comes to women. Hey. So, so, we have to pray. We need to pray where this is concerned. 1 Kings 11 verses 1. Listen to this. This is, the, this is the king of wisdom. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. Lots of love bites going on there. (laughs) They were from many nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them. Here's why. Because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods with a small g. They will turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon, king of wisdom, held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, small g, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God. As the heart of David, his father, had been. Okay, so we see already from the times of the kings, even the kings were battling with the same thing here. Alright, so after Solomon dies, we see that his son Rehoboam comes uh, to succeed him, and there's a revolt that happens because. Rehoboam is also not operating uh, in wisdom. He has a heart which is hard against the people, is increasing taxes and all of those things. And what happens? As it would, the people revolt. Okay, The people revolt and at this point in time we then have, remember we had Israel as a whole, now we have a split where we have Israel in the north and we have Judah in the south. Now, God has been warning the Israelites for a long time. If you don't stop this nonsense, this is what's going to happen. If you don't stop this nonsense, this is what's going to happen. They've already come out of Egypt. Now they're going back into other things. The land of Israel is now being split. There's a progression um, as to what is happening. God is warning. God is warning. People are not heeding. There's consequences for that. Amen? So we get to a point where the kings start falling away and, and during this time the, the uh, prophets themselves are also coming to the fore and the prophets are warning the Israelites as to um, the consequences of their sin. So we get to a point here where Isaiah, whose name means the Lord is salvation, ministers to Judah. And lo and behold, look what he's ministering to them on. Their ritualism, their idolatry. And and this is basically um, brought about because, like I said, they're doing the things that God said to not do. God was very clear. Don't do this. Don't be amongst these people. Don't have relationships with them. Don't Intermarry with them Because your heart is going to be Turned away from God You are going to be busy with Idolatry and witchcraft And ritualism that I have Warned you about Family we are We are prone to all of these things In this day and age So We've gotten to the point of the first timeline on the top here where we've seen the progression of people being obedient to God, being disobedient to God, being obedient to God, God coming to the fore and God trying to bring about this come back to me, come back to me, my people, people not listening. We're at the place where the prophets Uh, come into play and we see there that uh, uh, Isaiah comes and starts ministering to Judah as well but they will not listen Isaiah 1 verses 10 to 11 um, he says uh, this is Isaiah he says hear the word of the Lord and he also he even calls him you rulers of Sodom Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Remember, Sodom and Gomorrah is already um, destroyed, but he's telling them how bad things have gotten and are getting. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices? Why are you bringing all these sacrifices to me, but your heart is far away from me, is what God is saying. Is that relevant for today? We, we, we We are up and about doing the things of God, but God is looking at to. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? We can stand in front of each other and be holier than thou, but God knows where our heart is. I, I, I keep on thinking of that, um, uh, the, the, the scripture. How could somebody get to a point of uh, depart from me? I know you not. And him saying, but Lord, I did this, I did that, I did that. Because we did all of those things where people can see, but only God can see what's in the heart what's in our hearts is what God is looking at it does not matter what I look like to you and how holy I look God knows what's happening on the inside <laughs> amen um, of idolatry Isaiah says in Isaiah 40 18 to 19 to whom will you then like it or to whom then will you liken God or what likeness will you compare to him The workman molds an image. The goldman overspreads it with gold. And silversmith casts it with silver chains. No matter how beautiful it looks, it was still made by man. It still had man's hand on it. No matter how stunning it looks, if it's not God, it's not God. Amen. We get to a point where we see now that Assyria conquers The northern kingdom of Israel and we get people taken into captivity. They have not listened and so God's judgment is starting to come to play. We then move on to the the bottom portion here and like we said Assyria conquered northern Israel in 722 and we have Jeremiah who comes on the scene and Jeremiah's name basically means Jehovah throws or Jehovah appoints or Jehovah sends okay in the sense of laying down a foundation or Jehovah establishing appointing or sending he's also called the weeping prophet weeping over the sins of Israel and we see that that Israel himself does the same thing we'll see that later on so check this out Jeremiah's message Jeremiah's warning was over a period of 40 years 40 years from 627 to uh, around about the 586 BC Okay Judah's spiritual condition is stagnating Rapidly, they've gone into idol worship. They've gotten so bad that at this point they are even sacrificing children they are sacrificing children, burning children in the... Can you imagine that? They have taken their little babies and sacrificed to these, to, to, to these gods of other people. What God has won. Can you see how the debauchery has escalated, escalated, escalated? The longer we stay in it, the more accepting we become of the sin. The longer we stay in it, the more it's like, what's the big deal? These are the days that we are walking in right now. The things that are happening right now are things we could never have imagined. Yeah. Somebody put on Facebook yesterday. Um, she put in Facebook, um, what was it now? She says, uh, "Children should not be deciding whether they are man or woman." I really, very rarely respond to things on Facebook. I think yesterday was the first time in maybe 50 years. So I, 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 she said, children should not be at the point where they choose whether they are man or woman. I said to her, nobody should get to choose whether they are man or woman. God has decided that already. Amen. So we see here, Judah's spiritual condition on a rapid decline idol worship babies being sacrificed and the results of these now is more consequences Babylon conquers Judah 605 BC okay? and as we know as Pastor Bevan has already shared we saw that there were three stages of people being taken away from Judah right. Um, Daniel, which means God is my judge, was taken away in that first um, exile or first uh, captivity from uh, Babylon itself. Okay, So we have another two waves. Ezekiel um, gets taken away in 597 and there's a third wave also which happens in 586. BC. There's now a 70 year exile in Babylon. 70 years exile in, in Babylon. And here, and, and Pastor Bev covered this, um, I think it was last week or the, the week before, but I've got to read it. It's so good. And we know what Jeremiah 29 11 says but let's go back and hear what Jeremiah 29:10 says and we see where the 70 year comes from so he says for thus says the Lord after 70 years I completed at Babylon I will visit you and perform my good work towards you and cause you to return to this place for I know the thoughts that I think towards you says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope then you will call upon me and go to pray and i will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart i will be found by you says the lord and i will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you says the lord and i will bring you to the place from which i caused you uh, to be carried away captive so we have this wonderful promise um, of God um, we have that timeline and can you see why it was important to have knowledge of what was in the word of God yeah. because in, 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 in Daniel 5 we see a king who is about to perish because of a lack of knowledge if this king had known what was in God's uh, word he would have been hey Banna maybe I should just uh, take a step back and see where this timeline is right now and this timeline is right brings us right to King Belshazzar and the night of debauchery that he has with his wives and concubines and his lords and they're having this, this feast and he has this bright idea and he says bring the gold and silver vessels that came from God's temple bring those things let's drink and be merry Okay. They bring those things, and then we see a hand appearing and writing on the wall. Can you imagine this is happening? The Bible is an exciting, exciting, man, this thing's happening. This man is drinking, there's debauchery going on, and then you see a hand starts writing. It says that the, key, the, 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 the king's knees started shaking, can you imagine that happening? You are doing these things, and many, many tickle upasan appears on the wall. Daniel, of course, uh, comes to the fore and he comes to uh, give the meaning of this. And many means God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Now, imagine you are the king. This is the interpretation that's coming for. Your knees are already knocking when when you just saw that and you don't know what it means. Now the interpretation comes. God has numbered your kingdom and has finished it. That's one. Techo. He says, you have been weighed in the balance and found one thing. Perez or the, the, it's the pl- uh, plural of upasan, u, uh, uh, just basically meaning and parson. So, plural of upasan, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. That very night, Babylon falls to the Persians, 539 BC. How exciting is the word of God? Wow. This, this is happening hands coming, interpretations coming. These people. I mean, this party that they had was in vain because I can assure you they must have been instantly sobered up after this. Okay? Instantly sobered up of this. And then we see, takes us now, Babylon Falls, takes us to Ezra 1, where we see that the heart of the king, King Cyrus, is now influenced by God. And he says, you know, that the Israelites must go back. Uh, to the land that they were taken cap, uh, captive so we get to the book of Ezra which means uh, helps Jehovah helps and we want to get into the book of Ezra Pastor Bevan has covered a lot today so I'm going to just skim over it the author uh, and uh, the, the genre let's start with the genre being a historical narrative and as Pastor Bevan said, with historical narratives, we don't treat history and actual beginnings like a fairy tale, amen? Yeah. We don't treat it like a fairy tale. So the author being Ezra also attributed to the books of Nehemiah and as well as First Chronicles and as you if you go to to the end of Second Chronicles and the beginning of uh, ezra you'll see that those verses are pretty much the same there okay just giving extra um, homage to him as the author so who was ezra okay who was ezra as we can see on screen there he's described as a skilled scribe in the law of moses This is in Ezra 7 verses 6. Ezra is being mentioned for the first time in the book of Ezra in chapter 7. Now the scribes back in the day were basically glorified secretaries of the king talking about what was happening in the the palace excuse me talking about the decrees, the letters you know prescribing all of it. Later on in life they became Um, much more useful, and as we can see here, Ezra also is described as an expert in the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel. He was an expert in the Word of God, which then also positioned him to become an effective teacher of the Word of God. Amen? Amen? All right. We also see that he was a verified priest, direct Descendant of Aaron, the chief priest, the first high priest. Now, if you remember our story earlier on, um, we we, we, were in Numbers and we spoke about um, Phineas. And remember the promise made that that God made to, uh, to, to Phineas? Covenant of peace and a covenant that you and all of your descendants your descendants your lineage will always be priests I will honor them because you've honored me. Is it any wonder that Ezra is being used? Is it any wonder we see the promises of God evoked time and time and time again? So the purpose of of the book, and John MacArthur puts it this way, he says, the primary message of the book is that God orchestrated the past grim situation, which was captivity, and would continue to work through a pagan king and his successor to give Judah hope for the future, which is the return. So God's administration overrides that of any of the king's of this world. And thus the book of Ezra is, and this is the purpose, it's a message of God's continuing covenant grace to Israel. Okay, so, and uh, if you see Proverbs 21 verses 1, it says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, like the river of water he turns whichever way he he wishes. We see that um, the exodus from um, Egypt. God turned the heart of Pharaoh just exactly like that, like water whichever way he wanted for his purpose come here to, to, to uh, the book of Ezra we see the same thing God turning Cyrus' heart and those that came after him using them for his purpose do you also see why we need to pray for those who are in authority, God ultimately is the one who is in control, we do not live as people without hope because our king is in control. We need to petition and bring it before him. Amen. So, the the structure, um, and this is um, according to uh, David Pawson that I, that I read up on. So, very very quickly here, the first return, as we know, under uh, Zerubbabel. I cannot say that name without thinking of Pastor Israel, uh, Pastor Israel's uh, at, at uh, conference, and he, he said Zerubbabel with a pause and said, "A good name for a pit bull." I was like, <laughs> "Zerubbabel and pit bulls are now together." <laughs> okay, so. We see Zerubbabel coming onto the scene with the first return. He focuses on the rebuilding of the temple. Um, sporadically, we know because there was opposition that came about, the stopping um, that happened. We see the, the, um, the prophets that are raised, uh, Zechariah and, uh, and Haggai who come on, give a word from the Lord. The, the building continues. And we also see that King Darius Also, issues a decree after he's engaged uh, by the governor of that region, and we have the temple being finished. Okay, so the Passover lamb also is being celebrated at that time for the first time in a long, long time. So, Ezra, so here we are with Zerubbabel coming uh, along for the first. first of the people coming back to uh, Jerusalem. We see the rebuilding of, uh, of the, 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 the temple and then we have a chance here to see between six uh, chapter 6 and chapter 7 in Ezra and we've already heard of the period of time that that went about there, period of about 60 years and we get Ezra coming on the scene from chapter 7 onwards. We see that um, in this gap here from uh, chapter 6 to chapter 7 and we've been told that this is where the events of Ezra uh, um, Esther sorry um, occurred so all of these things are integrated we don't just read one book we've got to be reading these things inclusively to see what has happened we see Esther at that time then saved the people of, of uh, her people the Israelites from uh, sure Uh, genocide. Alright, so we get to uh, the building, number one, building of the temple here with uh, Ezra is more focused on the reform of the people as you will see when we get into the book of Ezra and Nehemiah the third uh, return gets into the rebuilding um, of the walls. So we get a a phase here where the people are returning, we get a building phase, and we also get a phase of where reformation needs to take place. Remember, these people have been uh, in exile for the longest time. They are not the same uh, people. So a time of renewal and reformation needs to come in. We also see that uh, the people that god used um, zerubbabel who, who was of the lineage of david of david um, so he was the the natural leader for for judea we see ezra um, who was a priest and a scribe and we see nehemiah who was a normal cup bearer so one who, who whose life was always <laughs> in danger but one who was also favored Uh, because of his proximity to uh, the king and I say his life is in danger because if somebody tried to poison the king he'd be the one that would take the brunt of that having tasted that first amen all right so we're going to get into um, our text now um um, lord have mercy Uh, um um so, and I'm saying that because Zoe is showing me a, uh, that. Uh, Pastor Bevan, I feel your pain. Uh, yes, and for those online, um, time goes so quickly. So, I'm going to get very quickly into and try to do justice in uh, this, this uh, time. Zoe, so, was that 15 minutes left or 15 minutes gone? Lord. Bevan, I feel your pain, sir. Church, bear with me. So we're going to get very quickly into the text covering chapter 7 uh, to 10, and um, Father be with me. Um, I pray. So the temple has been completed and dedicated and Passover has been observed. And um, like we said, Ezra now arrives um, in Judah or Jerusalem. So chapter 7. And uh, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to try and um, save a little bit of time. So chapter 7 almost reads like, before we get there, I just want to show you that um, uh, this is the the, the exile going from Babylon all the way to Jerusalem, to Judah. And this was a four-month trip, right? It's like a four-month trip. And I want you to keep that in mind want you to keep that in mind. So chapter 7 reads like a stamp of approval from the manufacturer, fit for purpose. When I was reading this, it was almost like um, I-, I was reading, well done, good and faithful servant, because you see um, how Ezra is, is described. And I want to put this under a couple of headings, um, all in for God. Okay, All in for God, what it looks like, what happens when, when, when you are all in for God, and what is expected of you all right so verses one to six okay verses one to six is basically putting an an approval stamp on Ezra's authentic priestly lineage and also described as a skilled scribe in the law of Moses so it's, it's, it's giving us props as to why Ezra himself is where he is all right why God is using him and we see his lineage that we've spoken about in verse 9 to 10 um, I'm not going to read it as I planned Um, it, it, it talks about the good hand of the Lord being over Ezra and why is this? So, Ezra had prepared his heart, both figuratively and literally, for the journey that God was about to uh, put him on. My, my, my real encouragement to you and I, and my challenge to you and I, are we taking this as seriously as, as Ezra did? Are we preparing ourselves? for the, We are not here by chance. We have not been put together in rebirth. By chance. We've not been put into rebirth to just come and warm a seat, um, sing a song, go home, rinse and repeat for next week. We have a mandate. And we have a mandate to prepare ourselves for God's work. Okay? So, Ezra, number one, it says he was uh, seeking the law of the Lord. Not only seeking the law of the Lord, hey. He was doing, he was doing the law of the Lord. He was not just, I read this, okay, close it, I'll see you next week. He was walking in what he was um, seeking and studying. And then this part and the word of God says that not all of us should become teachers. We will be judged more harshly. So I repented a lot when I was doing this message. Lots and lots and lots. God keeps on showing. You know, I think, and this is the, the, the benefit, I think, of being one who teaches, is that God takes you down roads where you need um, uh, lots of introspection as well. So I thank God for that. So um, Israel was seeking, he was doing, and he was teaching. You've got to be able to do before you go and tell anybody else how to do amen. amen you know like a thousand years had passed since the first law was given like a thousand years had passed so now israel comes and israel is starting to teach the people have changed the times have changed israel was an expositor preacher because he had to literally bridge the gap for these people what is relevant and what is not Father, I pray for that time to stand still. Amen. 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 So all in for God. So all in for God, number one, you 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 have to be one who is putting your hand to the plow, right? Like Ezra. You've got to make a decision for God. God has chosen you. You've got to choose him right back by what you do from the heart for him. Okay. Um guys, when you're all in for God, the test will come. When you're all in for God, it's not going to be a walk in the park. The test will come. But there there is hope. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. This is what Israel had done. He was hiding the word of God in his heart, so when the test did come, he did not. He was drawing on the word of God. So, how's this for a test? We all get uh, different tests: money, fame, power. Money, fame, power. Ezra's integrity and heart for God was tested to the max. Think of this: this man was in in exile for all this time, right? He's in exile. Doing and, and, and uh, as other people are telling him to do all the time. Not a man of his own might. Check this out. After 70 years. So, chapter 7, Artaxerxes issues a decree. Here are some of the terms of the contract. Okay? In verse 15, this is what he's saying to Ezra. In verse 15, you are to carry the silver and the gold. Think about that. Now, here's this person who's been in exile, who's been serving all the time. Now, you've been put into a position of power. This is what the king says. You are to carry the silver and the gold. Verse 16, all the gold and silver that you may find in the province of Babylon, along with the free will offering of the people and the priest. This, this, this purse is just getting bigger and bigger. After... Um, it says, after they had bought all that would be sacrificed on the altar, in verse 18, it says, Do whatever seems good to you and your brethren with the rest of the gold and silver according to the will of the Lord. Hey! How many people would have even had according to the will of the Lord? I just saying, Hey! You said whatever seems good to me and my brethren, we can do it. Hey! blank check, blank check he says in verse 20 and whatever more you need for the house of God, pay it from the king's treasury yeah guys in verse 24 it does get better he now says, you and, and, and your guys, the leaders, you are exempt from taxes, tribute, and customs. I'm not only giving you everything. I'm giving you a blank check. I'm giving you everything from the treasury. I'm saying you don't even have to pay taxes. Verse 26, he says, I am giving you absolute power. Power to act against those who disobey the law of the small king and the big king okay i'm giving you that power this included death banishment confiscation of goods or imprisonment you do what you like if they don't obey you this is what you can do in twin in verse 27 we see that israel does not become delirious with power but is rather encouraged that the, the, this was confirmation that the that the god uh, that god's hand was upon him, he was God focused when he's getting all of these things he looks at it and he says God's favor surely is on my life not looking at it and saying "Hmm, my time has come now they shall see so a lot of the time we are, we are available to God only based on our own needs this is the sad part and when our needs get met hey We be what's in our heart actually comes out We are not staying faithful to what God has given us right 1 John 2 15 says do not love the world or the things in the world If anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. These are the things we get tested with right is not of the father But is of the world And the world is passing away And the lust of it But he who does the will of God Abides forever Amen, Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm going to um, I'm going to just say this I'm going to have to move on very quickly Because the way screen is very big um, Chapter 8 All in for, for God Also Right, So we've had, we've had where we said, all in for God, what it looks like, the tests that will come. But you need, remember we said he, he, he studied the word, but he was also one who did the word of God. And here's another test that comes. Because Ezra was bragging about how faithful God is, how mighty God is. And other people say, hey, did you hear everything? Did you see how far? That is, that four month uh, trip, right? This four month trip that is known for thievery, cash in transits, all of those things, right? Now the people are saying to Ezra, "But hey, did you hear what we got given? Did you hear what we got given? Um, You must ask the king for his cahoots to take us through there. And what was Ezra's response? He proclaimed a fast And he said no 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 no. We serve the living mighty God We've bragged about him We can't brag about him until the situation changes Now we go back and say Yeah but you know I do serve a mighty God But you have A, B and C for me Hey guys We need to be able to be all in for God And trust in his might and in his power For all things For all things and uh, I'm not going to read this because of time, but there was something called, go and look it out uh, on uh, the internet, it's called Operation Varsity Blues in the, in the, in the United States, where they, the, the parents went and paid millions of, of, of dollars to get their kids ahead um, in the varsities and that type of a thing. Um, and, and, and it says here, I'll read the end of it, it says amongst the accused parents are prominent business people and well-known actors pastor bevan spoke about this the lord will let you climb he'll let you climb he'll let you climb and then he'll put the bait there for you okay who are you going to trust man are you going to trust god if you are all in for god that test will come okay so we see that In Ezra uh, 9, we have a problem that is exposed, and I'm, um, I'm going to task you with reading um, what exactly was in Ezra 9. Uh, I will give you snapshots of it from Ezra 9, verses 1 to 4. We see the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the land and we've read about that already right we've 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 seen what that has done before we've seen there's no separation we've seen intermarriage comes about and we see all areas of their lives being affected business government social they start um, worshiping other gods and it is a mess. Their hearts are turned away from God. It says, for they had taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons. And then it also says um, that it it, it has a whole list of, uh, uh, it says here, with respect to the abominations of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites. we, We read about all of those things, right? The problem here was not, primarily the ethnic problem. The problem here is one of the abominations that this brought about. Okay, with this forsaking of the Jewish identity and the at least partial embrace of idolatry um, in a few generations what would actually happen is here the Jewish race was under threat. They would totally God's chosen nation would fall away if this continued so there was three risk factors that reared their heads because they allowed integration with people and these three terms there's one called semitism there's one called assimilation and there's one called syncretism so semitism is the fact or the quality of them being totally jewish maintaining jewish nation okay jewishness Then assimilation, which is dangerous, because we get into these things today. The process of taking in and fully understanding information and ideas, we become all inclusive. Oh, you tell me about your God. We've heard that all our gods are the same. We've heard that, right? Yeah. We we do know the Bible says, "I am the way." Okay, I am the way, not a way, right? So we have this of assimilation process of where we want to take in and fully understand, let me just be a little bit more accommodating of your God. And then we have what is called syncretism. It is the amalgamation or attempted amalgamation of different religions, cultures, or school of thoughts. Now they start telling you, oh no, no, uh, uh, I'll take a little bit of that, take a little bit of that. Now I come and give you a unique model for you. Apostasy or turning against God Is inevitable If we dilute the word of God It is inevitable So I'm going to go uh, straight into this And I apologize for um, In my mind and in my notes I'm trying to to give (laughs) you the best of this And make it shorter for you. So we see where there was a strong, uh, was a strong decree for them not to intermarry. Yeah. There was a strong decree for them not to be um, with this people. What is the implication for us today um, with regards to marriage to uh, and interracial marriage? So there is no objection uh, to interracial marriage in the New Testament. Okay? Indeed, we can oh, oh, Amen, Greens. <laughs> I'm sure you're waiting with beta bread for that one. Thank you, Jesus. So indeed, we could argue that interracial marriage is a powerful demonstration that we are one in Christ, and that Jesus has created one new humanity in Himself. God's spirit is poured out on all nations, OK? So, what should then happen when people in the church are married to unbelievers? Okay. Should we being apply Ezra 9 and 10, where Ezra uh, uh, 9 and 10 he says, "Now put, put away these wives, even put away their children and all of these things? Hey. So, if you had stopped reading there, if you had stopped reading the church, and this is why we need to go and read and search the scriptures, Paul gives clear instructions about this in First Corinthians. Okay, he has no instructions from Jesus' teaching on earth but he's writing here as an apostle of the risen Christ. He teaches that um, first on couples uh, and why they should stay married. In 1 Corinthians 7 verses 12 to 13 he says to the rest I say this I, not the Lord. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. First Corinthians 7 verses 15, it now speaks about... Uh, He tells the believer to let the unbeliever go from the marriage if the unbeliever wants to go, right? He says, but if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has, has called us to live in peace. All right, 1 Corinthians 7 verses 16. He also encourages them to stay married if possible. He says, how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? However, if a Christian person is getting married to someone who is not Christian, then Paul's instruction in his second letter to Corinthians is relevant. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. So... There's a difference between when you find yourself in that situation and when you are outside of that decision, uh, situation and now making a decision. Uh, it is not wise to be yoked unequally. The purpose of a yoke was to put a yoke so that you could work together in the same direction for the same common purpose. When you, and, and young people, if you're not married right now, go back and listen to this If you are deciding on emotion above the word of God, you are going to put yourselves into hot water. You do not want to spend your life trying to figure out how must I make this marriage work instead of listening to the word of God. This is going to save you many, many, many years of heartache and tears. Go and listen to all the songs of the world. There's many songs written in tears because of unequally yoked. They just don't know about it. Amen. 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 Guys, I have ravaged through to, the, to chapter 10. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I don't see a screen in front of me. So, so thank, you, Lord. thank you, Jesus. Uh, answered prayer so I'm, I'm coming and this is this is so important this is so important church so this is about confession and 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 repentance and is there anybody in the house who does not need to confess and repent we our every single day with the lord is one of lord i'm not good enough father i am a wretched being i do not i do not deserve to be here but for your grace but for your mercy so some descriptors used in chapter 9 and 10. This is true sorrow and repentance. Ezra was not self-focused, but he was covenant-focused. He was kingdom-minded. Okay? He, had, he himself had not sinned. But he was grieved. I mean, the other people had sinned. The people had sinned. But here's a leader taking on sin as his own. Jesus did the same. Okay. The, the, the covenant redemption of his people... So, here's a couple of descriptors. Israel tore his robe and garment. He plucked out his hair and beard. His own. Not like uh, Nehemiah. Nehemiah went, you sin. Hmm. All right. So, here's Ezra plucking out his own hair and beard for your sin. Okay. Here's Jesus taking all of these lash for our sin. Israel sat down astonished at the sin he sat until the evening sacrifice in a state of fasting he fell on his knees and spread out his hands to god he was ashamed he was humiliated he prayed he wept he confessed he bowed down before the house of god he ate no bread drank no water he mourned because of the guilt of those from the captivity and when we say from the captivity, we could, we could think about from where they came from or because of the captivity of their hearts from um, what they were doing at this point in time. We witness again and again the providence of God um, over and over to a people who are not worthy, including ours. Israel says, our iniquities have risen higher than our heads and our guilt has grown up to the heavens. Second Chronicles 7 verses 14 If my people who are called by my name Will humble themselves and pray And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways Then I will hear from heaven And I will forgive their sin And heal their land Ezra was standing in the gap for people who had sinned He directed them to the word of God And to repentance The Holy Spirit is doing the same for you and I and he's directing us to the word, to the blood of Jesus Christ. There is not one of us who is worthy. If you go into Ezra chapter 10, you will see that the word is given by Ezra. And you will also see that there were those, and it's written in this book, there were those who said... Uh, that it's okay i choose not to and there's a list of those who chose god who said i'm convicted by the sin i agree with the word of god and i will do no more of this can you imagine when you get before the father and your name is recorded as it is here in ezra 10 these it starts there with jonathan i think it's in chapter 15 in verse 15 uh, of of chapter 10 and it says these chose not to go this way when you come before the father and this is written in the Lamb's book of life the word came to you the word was preached to you, you were convicted of sin but you said it's okay, I, I choose to go this way I choose this way rather. Father, I know that your word says this. I know that I'm far from you, but I still choose my own way. Father, then, I mean, family, then we have no excuse. We have no excuse. We've been given the word of God, which is able to save us from sure death. But we still have that Choice. Amen. Amen. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to um, blame the rest of.